This is the Church Planning Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Every week we sit down with leaders who are shaping church planning efforts. Here's your host, Colby Garman and Clint Clifton. Hello, welcome to the Church Planning Podcast. I'm Clint Clifton, and I'm with Colby Garman. Great to be with you guys again today. Yeah, Colby, what's your uh, favorite missions quote? My favorite missions quote? Oh, that's easy. Um, It's Hudson Taylor's uh, quote about every great work of God. And, uh, you know, he says there are three stages to every great work of God. First, it is impossible. Then it is difficult. Hmm. Then it is done. Impossible, difficult, and done. Yes, and I love it so much because I, I feel like I've been inside each one of those categories. Oh yeah, on some major projects, and that's fun. Yeah, and, but I also feel like I'm always at the beginning of the next impossibility. Right, right, right. And so, it's just a really, yeah. I mean, if I could think of examples like the Iceland project. You know, it, what we set out to do was to find an Icelandic church planner, to start an Icelandic church that would care about multiplying, that would want to do that. Seemed and, completely impossible. Oh, I mean, the level of impossibility that that felt. And I can think of moments like, you know, my personally, like I was laying on the floor in a, in, in a house in Iceland praying <laughs> Like for God to just get me out of it, you know, like, yeah. you know, like uh, this is a being a part of this was a, I wrote a check. I don't really want anybody to try to cash. Yeah. And uh, now I look at that moment because it just felt that impossible. Yeah. And my, you know, my role at that time in it felt impossible. And now I look and go, that work's done. Yeah. The, you know, the work that needs to happen in Iceland isn't done, yeah. but at least our conception of what we set out to do yeah. in 2005, 2006, yeah. it's done. We've been a part of a couple things like that, and I, I'm with you. It it actually emboldens me to, to try to think of new things that are yeah. um, really seemingly impossible that yeah. we could... You know, give me great confidence that, if God, man, if God could do that with yeah. us at that stage when we had fewer resources and less know-how and less experience if he could do it then boy what could he do now yeah i mean you and i together set out 10 years ago with some other people at our church to really to plant to see four churches planted Mm -hmm. and uh that that work that we set out to do at least the initial vision of it is complete yeah now some stuff doesn't stay done but even the guy we're going to talk to today was right. part of part finishing of the initial stages of that work. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to talk to Jonathan Ransom today. And Jonathan's the uh, founding pastor of Pillar Church of Okinawa, as well as the founding pastor of Pillar Church of Oceanside, California, yeah. as well as uh, the founding pastoral partner, one of the pastors at Pillar Church, Church of Jacksonville yeah. in North Carolina. And so he's done um, a series of Pillar Church plants, um, yeah. pretty quick succession, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's a guy we respect and love a lot. And uh, right now he's in the middle of a task mm-hmm. that the Lord has given them that I think at least along the way has felt at some points impossible. To yeah. I mean, the so we started, Pillar started 16, almost, well, 
16 years ago. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, to think that a church got started in Northern Virginia that started these other churches around the world. And then a church got started in Japan eventually as a great grandchild church. And then that church now is like on the cusp of launching Japanese Okinawan churches. It's crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, and it, that, that, that's, I think what we're talking about when you, it's, it's both impossible on the look back. It's like, how did that even happen? You know, we were right. part of it and it still feels right. like, how did it happen? But I just, I just, am and so it was hard yeah and it's been hard yeah and still, you know, there's aspects of the work of the ministry of all that kind of stuff. That's hard. Yeah. But you do get to this third stage where yeah. that thing, I mean, God, God blows on it with his spirit yeah. and things happen that we couldn't control, but you go, man, there's a finality to that. But then, you know, like you look and, and they're going about the business of doing something impossible now yeah. that we couldn't, on, on top of thinking it was impossible to see Oki, Pillar Oki planted, uh, they're doing something that feels even more impossible that we would have multiplied churches into yeah. Japanese people. And I, know, I mean, I just love the fact that they care about that so yeah. much. Yeah, it's it's really it's really unbelievable. And there's a I think there's two scenarios under which I would believe I would have the faith to believe something that impossible outside of like God's miraculous gift of giving me faith for something. Yeah. One is youthful naivety, you know. Yeah. And I think that's where we were when we set out to do this stuff. Yeah. You know, we had a little bit of that. And the other one is um having experienced God's amazing yeah. you know work uh, sort of later on in life right um so that that's the only those two. are two great categories yeah. in fact i want you to talk more about them because we're both 41 right how much youthful naivety do you feel like you have left zero really i i just feel like i have very little youthful naivety but it's a di- but but doesn't but i have almost as much or more boldness it just the the reason the for it changed yeah one of the things about youthful like- naivety <laughs> here's the thing about youthful naivety I did not, this is embarrassing to admit, I did not actually believe it would happen. Yeah. Like if I'm being honest, yeah, I didn't believe it would happen. I just was zealous for it to happen and I wanted to be a part of something it was kind of was like a right hail to mary too. Yeah, yeah it was sort of like a hail mary in the sense that boy i hope somebody catches this thing but i i gotta go down as the guy who threw it really hard really far you right. know um and then when when the ball got caught so to speak you know i was like wow god's more amazing than i ever imagined mm-hmm. you know i think and again it's embarrassing to admit but as a 22 23 year old i don't know that i had that level of confidence in the lord uh, now, when we set out to do things, I really believe they'll happen. Yeah. Um, and in, not in a prophetic way, but in a like, just I've seen God work. I know he loves people more than I do. I know he can, yeah. any barriers that I see, he can plow I feel that confidence too. Yeah. yeah, I'm way more confident that things can happen, but it's mostly a confidence in God's willingness to take our loaves and fishes. Yeah. Like that's where I feel like my confidence lies. Yeah, I still feel like I have some of that youthful naivety. Yeah, and uh, it's just—I feel like you do too, actually. It's—it's <laughs> yeah. it's just an—I mean, I'm re- feel ridiculously optimistic most of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're, yeah. It—I mean, it doesn't feel youth. Your optimism doesn't feel youthful, and it doesn't feel naive. So that's why I think like when I think about it, I think it's, it's more on the basis of kind of like your confidence in the Lord now. And it may have even been for you earlier on. I don't know. I'm not judging you in the same way that I judge myself. No, I think early on for me, I was just, I I just, 
I was convinced if we worked at the right things long enough yeah. that there was a good chance that the Lord would do something. With There's it. the difference between you and me. I was not convinced of that. I am now. Like, I, I'm now convinced. But I think early on, I just thought, oh, it's all sheer luck. How, yeah. hey, or or <laughs> will, the mysterious will of the Lord, you know, yeah. sovereignty, hand of God. I, I did not think that my work uh, and my consistency corresponded in any way to future reality, you know. Yeah. Well, one of the things I love about what Pillar Oki is doing is the the recognition that we want to see the gospel that they you know have a passion to see the mm-hmm. gospel reach into other people groups and to engage and look around and act like missionaries where yeah. God has sent them and I think it's one of the great things about church planning work I would have never from Virginia thought man let's try to figure out how to reach, o- reach Okinawans but right. God creates proximity through church planning absolutely and that proximity has resulted in the gospel advancing and in the vision for the gospel advancing across barriers that um, that would seem really impossible from right. where we sit right now. Right. And I think, man, if we keep planting churches, the really cool question is, who will they get a passion to reach? Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. the that's exciting to me. Yeah. And, you know, another thing this church planning work has done in light of like Romans 15, we were talking about just a few minutes ago, you know, where Paul Paul kind of claims that his work's complete in an area and he can sort right. of move along. Yep. You know, I, I think in our modern situation in churches, we never feel like that because right. we have such like we we want to see everything buttoned up all the way you right. know in all of our ministries every person growing to be a fully devoted follower of christ so i was reaching everybody and all the things and so we don't think work's complete until that but paul obviously had a different vision of what complete work looks like and it was so to us it was so small and it was essentially just like the seed of a church being there to right. propagate and multiply you know? yeah yeah uh he thought he thought the church was more powerful than we do. Yeah, that's the key. I he actually believed that if we just get it get it in the ground, yeah, the Lord will do everything that has to happen. Yeah, you know, and that's that's how we should think. I feel I feel a lot of that. You know, like I think you know maybe people listening who've never been to our church, yeah. you know, like our church is really simple. It's not flashy. You know, it's there's so much that we need to get better at and right. there's lots of churches that are better at lots of things than than we are right and um and i'm just i understand that i just feel like keeping the seed in the ground means that our church is going to keep doing that but one thing we are good at is trying to figure out how to get that seed yeah and not overthink it and get it into the ground somewhere else and yeah encourage people to do that because something good happens and i don't have to control what that good happens but god does something powerful with the gospel seed in other places and uh, i think if we recapture some of that we yeah. would see more church planning work i would say that like this and you tell me if you agree or not our greatest energy and ingenuity goes into our efforts in multiplication absolutely not in not that we don't value other things and but we feel a real connection between multiplication and our church being able to multiply and people yeah. growing yeah. to, you know, fueling that. Right. So, but, but our efforts are aimed at, you know, our discipleship of our people is aimed at their ability to multiply elsewhere. Right. And our, and so we want them to grow, but not just because it enriches our church, but yeah. because our church could enrich the kingdom Yeah. with yeah. gospel seed. 
Yeah, that's so good. All right. All right, we're going to talk to John uh, Ransom and uh, learn about Pillar Church of Okinawa and Gospel to Okinawa right after this word from our sponsors. Not every American Christian is on the same page about the need for new churches. So we've created a material to help pastors and church leaders talk to their congregations about church planting in a way that's compelling and convicting. We've created a resource called the Church Planting Primer, and the Church Planting Primer can be used as a small group curriculum or it can be used for um, your congregation as a whole, maybe on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night, or it can be used in other smaller settings, uh, Sunday school classes, or, or even for your leadership team or your missions committee to go through. The Church Planting Primer is four sessions. It starts with the biblical rationale for church planting, it moves on to the need for new churches in North America, And then after that, we talk about how churches begin, what are the nuts and bolts of how churches begin the New Testament and how they begin today. And the last session is about how everyday Christians can be involved in starting new churches. This material is absolutely free. It's video-based, downloadable online for your use. And you can find it all at newcityplanting.org. Jonathan Ransom, welcome to the Church Planting Podcast. Hey, thanks, Clint. It's good to be with you. Yes, Jonathan, you're, uh, tell us where you are. Yes, yeah, so I'm in Okinawa, Japan, uh, 14 hours ahead of you as we're, as we're speaking. 14 until we hit daylight savings and we drop down to 13. Yeah, but Okinawa is home for me and my family. Oh, that's uh, great. And you've got uh, a brother you work with in Okinawa sitting next to you there. Who's that? You bet. I'm joined by John Simberger. He's been a part of our church family for four plus years now. And uh, currently he serves as one of our elders He's our executive pastor, and he's also uh, serving as the executive director for our Gospel to Okinawa initiative. Yeah. Okay. So for the listener, just for perspective, uh, the church that Jonathan uh, planted and is pastoring is Pillar Church of Okinawa, and it's, um, let's see, my church planted a church in Jacksonville, North Carolina. I planted a church near Washington, D.C. that planted a church in Jacksonville, North Carolina, that planted a church in Oceanside, California, that planted Pillar Okinawa. Correct. So we're great-grandchild church. And, Uh, you know, kind of fun, like uh, my family and I had the opportunity to be a part of each of those generations, (laughs) except Pillar Dumfrey. So we don't go all the way back to great-great-grandma, but we, uh, um, yeah, Pillar Jacks, and then they sent us out to Oceanside, where we partnered with, uh, Trace Martinez, who still still remains there, and then they very graciously, after we were in Oceanside for two years, they very graciously sent us sent us over here to Okinawa. Yeah, uh, all that to say, uh, not so much about the goodness of our church planting network, but to say Jonathan's a church planting ninja. He is like committed to this work uh, and fruitful at it um, in multiple locations. And so I'm really thankful for him. We also have the joy of sharing many members uh, because uh, we uh, right now are enjoying the free family uh, that was a big part of uh, Pillar Okinawa. And uh, we've got many members that have become part there because they're in the Marine Corps and they they shift back and forth from base to base. And so that's been, been great. But J- uh, Jonathan, can you uh, or John, or both of you kind of tell us a sort of quick version of what happened uh, in your calling to Okinawa particularly and how the 
where the fast forward to where the church is now, sort of how, how that came about and what's happened over the last few years. Yeah, I'll hit mine real quick and then I'll let John uh, jump in. Uh, so man, 21, 22 years ago, I was here as a young Marine, uh, very briefly, never thought I would be back to Okinawa. You know, fast forward to 2012, we, we, we become a part of the pillar family. And, um, you know, we knew as a family, we wanted to plant in Okinawa. Uh, eventually, I just honestly, from the very beginning, I didn't really think that it would be me. And then fast forward again, after Jackson, then out to Oceanside, our network just really began to see the need. And my wife and I were interested, willing, but again, we, we agreed, like kind of going into that meeting where we we're going to talk about who would come from our network. Uh, she and I agreed we would go, but we would wait and allow somebody else to say they were going first, right? Like, uh, and if nobody else volunteered, then we'd be all in on going. And that's kind of how the meeting unfolded, like <laughs> just life stage things and other planters in the network weren't really free to make that move. And uh, we really viewed that as God giving us the opportunity to, to move over here almost five years ago now. So uh, kind of a very gradual calling, but one that unfolded in community, which always makes me feel better anyway. And yeah, uh, yeah so about five years we came over and then a couple months later met uh, John and Melissa. So I'll let him share his, his perspective. Yeah. So um, when I was a teenager, I uh, felt a call to come to Japan to share the gospel and uh, didn't know if that was uh, too much uh, video games and anime or, or if that was a genuine calling from the Lord. So uh, I kind of prayed about it and just kind of put it up on the shelf. Um, went to college. Uh, it was still there. Kept praying about it and kind of just, uh, just waiting. Got out of college, went to grad school, uh, and, then, and then graduated uh, from grad school. And then and, uh, got married and then... And my wife and I, uh, who she was at the time a director of a pregnancy resource center uh, in Litchfield, Illinois, and uh, we we started praying together about it. And uh, God um, God spoke to us and and said go. And so we uh, we I was researching funding uh, for a small mission to Africa that my friends were doing, and I I came across a an open uh, position at Okinawa Christian School International in Japan. Mm -hmm. I applied, got the job. So I came here that way. Uh, we, we assumed like, like every other missionary coming to Japan that we'd join a Japanese church. Um, we started uh, visiting churches on the island, just kind of feeling out the landscape. And uh, we, we heard from some friends. Uh, someone was like, Hey, there's a, there's an Acts 29 church on Island. I was like, what? I didn't even think of even Googling that in Okinawa. And, mm -hmm. uh, we visited pillar, uh, sat down with the ransoms and, uh, discovered that they're a very church planting minded couple and, um, that they're very supportive of, uh, of our, our ministry to the Japanese. And so very unconventional, uh, did not did not think that we had landed a church that was about ninety five percent military, but it has been the place that God has used to uh, give our family a, a gospel centered, healthy community to launch out into um, ministry to the Japanese from. Wow, that uh, I just hear you. I, I hear a lot of myself in that. Like when we came to plant the church here in uh, Northern Virginia. Uh, we were pouring ourselves out into it a lot. It was like we came to be missionaries, so to speak. Uh, but now the church is pouring it 
itself into us so much and my children and my wife, I am receiving way more ministry from the church than, than I put into it. And, uh, I got, man, I'm just so thankful. I can't even imagine not having the, the ministry that pours into my family so richly being there. And I just, it, it feels like a, a special honor that I got to be a part of founding it, uh, and to get to taste of, of the benefit of it, you know? So I, I hear you, uh, expressing some of that. That's awesome. Uh, so I actually wanted to talk to you guys today. There's so many things we could talk about, but I wanted to talk to you about, um, an initiative called gospel to Okinawa. So, um, would you mind sharing maybe Jonathan, how you guys first, um, noticed, uh, Okinawans? Cause you kind of went there to reach service members. I know it was somewhere in your mind about reaching Okinawans, but can you, can you describe how God shaped that in your heart? Yeah, it took a little bit of time, right? Because you said uh, our primary goal in moving here was to plant a church that would reach and uh, care for shepherd and catalyze the Americans who are living here on island. And uh, so several tens of thousands of Americans uh, living here, you know, anywhere in the range of 40 to 60,000 or so, uh, sometimes a little less, maybe sometimes a little more. But um yeah, that was that was goal number one. Now, coming into this context, you're you're very aware that Japan nationally is less than one percent confessing follower of Christ. So you know, you know, it's largely an unreached, uh, an unreached country full of unreached people. You know that, but again, we 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 come in here and we're just hyper focused to plant this church, and uh, for Americans. But after you know, after being here for several months and. Uh, kind of getting the roots of the church sunk down deep into some healthy soil and it's it's growing and things are happening and you're settling into to life in this foreign country. Um, what you know statistically or what you know from reading begins to be verified by your lived experience here. So for example, uh, because there are so few Christians, what we're used to in the States or in the West in terms of visible demonstrations of gathering churches you don't really see that here. There are, right. there are far fewer demonstrations. So you see that, uh, or you don't see that. And then you begin to, um, you know, verify some of that relationally or just through further reading that maybe you didn't have access to before moving here. So for example, uh, pastors are just aging out in exponential waves, far more so than um, in most other places. So, so the average age of pastors here is exceptionally high. Uh, they're not uh, there's not there are not healthy pipelines where younger pastors necessarily are being I mean there are some healthy pipelines I don't want to say there are none but there are fewer healthy pipelines where younger pastors are being trained up congregations are smaller so most most pastors are bivocational co-vocational um, most churches meet in homes so they kind of be family centric uh, they'll, they'll be family centric there'll be one or two or three or four families present there but they're not um, there are not as many and they're not as big and that and, and so, you know, basically you begin to realize, man, if, if, if Japan or Okinawa specifically is going to be reached, not, there needs to be far more, uh, more churches present. I mean, hundreds more churches just speaking in terms of, of Okinawa. So you begin to, to kind of experience all of these things that verify what you've, what you've read. And then relationally as well, one of the first missional communities we started was in our home and actually John and Melissa were a part of that missional community. And, we invited a lot of our Okinawa neighbors into that experience. And it was just, man, it was a sweet season of sharing life with them and learning about their culture and their experiences. And 
Uh, John, I'm sure you remember we were working through the Jesus Storybook Bible mm -hmm. with yeah. our own neighbors, and it's like every single story we worked through was brand new to these people. And wow. I remember when we got to the crucifixion, and I remember seeing tears in the eyes, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember getting to the resurrection and just having people sit back and have to take it, taking it in for the first time. <laughs> and um, there is, so just culturally, this is, this is all brand new stuff. And right. um, anyway, so kind of accelerating through the story. Yeah, we were here. Uh, to focus on planting for Americans. But then, you know, it really became a matter of gospel stewardship. And we had to ask the hard questions like, all right, God has allowed us to plant in a context that is largely unreached. And he's given us these resources to steward. And if all we do is focus on ourselves um, to the neglect of the Okinawans living around us, we will, our conviction just was growing that we would have failed terribly yeah. in stewarding what God has entrusted to us too. If you want to look at it pragmatically, let's, let's just all be honest, like uh, foreign policy and, and global powers shift all the time, right? So hypothetically, sometime down the road, hypothetically, there will not be a robust American presence in Okinawa like there is now. So what if right. all of the churches who are here focused on planting among expats and American military members. What if all we did was focus on Americans and build out these great churches for Americans, and then we all leave down the road? What kind of a gospel legacy would that leave for uh, the Christians in Japan and for Okinawans, especially Okinawans who don't yet know Jesus? And so we just really began to grow in this conviction that we needed to give ourselves missionally to coming alongside the existing church in Okinawa, loving her, supporting her, and working together with her to prayerfully catalyze a church planning movement and church revitalization <clears throat> movement here in Okinawa. That's great. It, I mean, hearing you describe it, it's it, 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 it reminds me of early days of Iceland Project or a Praetorian Project for me. It was it was very much like, like the conviction was crystal clear and when i hear you describing that it sounds like uh you can do you you can't not do it you know it, it may not be called this or may take, take some other shape but the effort of uh working to get the gospel to okinawans is not something you you could ignore um so that's that's incredible um so john can you're leading gospel to okinawa at, at you're the sort of point person in charge of that what's that what's that really mean yeah so um it's really this year that i um uh transitioned into that role uh we were kind of like uh, uh john and i were teaming up uh together with uh a uh, japanese church member of ours uh, named satomi who's also mm -hmm. been with pillar from the beginning um we were just kind of tag teaming it before and uh mm -hmm. this year as uh our cohorts have grown and the reach of gospel to Okinawa has grown. Um, there's, there's more work to do. Um, yeah. and it's, it's incredible to see that happen, uh, even in the midst of the, the challenges with COVID and everything and, and meeting together in person, but it's, it's growing. So, um, yeah, for, for gospel to Okinawa, like we just launched, uh, this past year, social media accounts, trying to get out pictures of Okinawa, uh, and, and content about Okinawa and church planting here 
and uh, we've had great content in our in our gatherings taught by uh, instructors uh, from places like uh, you know Bible seminaries and city to city. So getting out that content on on social media. Um, and, uh, uh, like I said, Okinawa is a beautiful place. So we've, we've had a, a photographer here in our church family who's gone around Okinawa and taken pictures and we've been, uh, we've been posting those as well. So we're trying to get people to, um, uh, to stay up to date on what we're doing as well. So we just launched something where you can subscribe and, uh, stay up to date on developments and, uh, prayer focuses on how you can pray for us, uh, because we've got a big vision. And it's gonna, it's a God-sized vision, and we need people to pray uh, so we can, uh, so we can fulfill that vision. But uh, our, we try to keep our, our goal um, uh, focused, uh, not trying to do everything, uh, but our, our goal is focused on uh, supporting and facilitating the planting of new churches and the renewal of existing churches. Okay, so what comes to my mind when you when you say that is questions about tell me about your guys. Do you have some guys? Uh, is it really going to happen or is it just like a concept or an idea? And what's the timeline look like? What's the, what would an Okinawan church even, even look like? Yeah. Yeah. Good questions. Uh, those are the questions, right? Because uh, we can talk about it all day, but uh, are people showing up who feel called to do that? Mm. Uh, we have had a couple people uh, uh, just like that. And we're in conversations with them. They do have current commitments that they're completing uh, that uh, make it so they're a couple years out. Mm-hmm. Um, one is a seminary student and uh, actually both of them are seminary students. So we've been in conversation with a couple of people, but we're always in our cohorts uh, in ongoing fashion, identifying people who could potentially uh, plant uh, mm-hmm. churches here. Um, it's, it's, it can be kind of tough. Uh, American culture moves very, very quickly. Um, Japanese culture, um, you know, while they're very technologically advanced and advanced in many ways, um, there, it just doesn't seem to, well, at least from my perspective and my experience, uh, it doesn't move as quickly, uh, as, as where I come from. So, um, we just, uh, we, we build relationships. We, um, we, we identify the next steps and the areas when you move forward in. And at the same time, it's also kind of a, uh, a test of, will we walk hand in hand with our Okinawan pastor friends, or will we try to go it alone? And, and sometimes that building trust in an Asian culture takes time. Yeah. And uh, that's that's one of the uh, main successes of the past couple of years in GTO is just uh, building genuine friendships with pastors here um, and with people who who open doors for for the, for the gospel and uh, for for gospel of Okinawa. Man, and just you know, for some perspective, I'm gonna throw in right because every we got to be honest, and every gospel story anyway has got to include failure at some point. Otherwise, it's just not a real story, right? right. So. Several years ago, my wife and I were up in, we were in Chiang Mai, Thailand, uh, pre-COVID for an Acts 29 uh, church planners retreat. And uh, we were, you know, in between eating great food and going for runs in an amazing place, we're, we're kind of brainstorming and strategizing. And it was there that this, this idea of GTO was uh, originally birthed. And so we're considering passages like Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, right? And so living on an island, a verse like that, 
is even more meaningful. We're surrounded by the ocean. You see it every day. And you can, you can just imagine the water covering a place like this or mm. the glory of the Lord covering a place like this wow. where it's good and it's flourishing. And so, right. So John's, John's already brought up like Americans, we think, all right, here's the plan. It's going to happen. We go back, we get to work next year. The, 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 the glory of the Lord will have covered Okinawa like the sea is just washed over. <laughs> and that has not been the experience. In fact, we came back and we, we hosted the first event. And what we did was we, man, we threw a, a big net out there to invite as many pastors and ministry leaders, Okinawans, as we could. And you want to know how many people showed up to our first, uh, our first public gathering? One, like one, oh. one local dude, but in God's kindness and providence, that guy, um, Kazunaro, I can't, yeah, sorry. Kazunari? That's right. Kazunari Fukushima. So Fukushima sensei was, um, he was the one person God wanted here. And that man has become the best friend to, uh, and not just the best friend to GTO. He is on our leadership team. And he is, he has been catalytic. And wow. so, so what was birthed in seeming fit, man, I was so discouraged that night. I was yeah. so, so discouraged. Uh, there was no tidal wave. There has been no tidal wave. And in the, you know, in the three years of GTO, it's more like a subtle global warming where the water level is maybe, maybe, maybe rising. That's a great image you know, a tidal chart where maybe, maybe the tide is coming in, but we don't really know. Uh, it's just been very slow and hard fought, but uh, yeah, I just want to give a shout out to cause he's just been a good, good friend and a brother. And once he was involved, uh, God used him to really bring together our first cohort, which uh, was spread out over that first year and in included probably somewhere between like 15 to 20 Okinawans who are participating with us. We rolled hmm. into a second cohort the next year, which we just finished up. And our third cohort's been delayed because of COVID, but uh, yeah, slow, slow, hard fought. Uh, wow. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. That's a that's a great story. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that image is good too. The, uh, the tidal wave as opposed to global warming. Um, so uh, let's talk about how uh, I'm assuming that the pastors who are listening to this are probably in their minds thinking, "Wow, that sounds cool." I I'm always looking for opportunities to get my congregation engaged globally. Um, man, this is an American church planter who's over there multiplying churches doing exactly what I'm trying to do here. How can I work with him to reach Okinawans as my foreign mission effort? Is there an answer to that question? Yeah, I'll let John roll first on that one if you want. Yeah, um, I think that it's important for people to stay up to date on you know uh, what we're doing. Um, so uh, we do uh, send out an email every month now to just give a brief update and to give prayer focuses so you can pray for us and stay up to date on what we're doing. Do you uh, contact us at gto at pillarokinawa.com. Uh, we can get you on there. Um, people can uh, follow us on social media as well and uh, share our uh, posts, uh, because there's opportunities for people in the U S and for people, uh, here, uh, locally, uh, to get involved in the work. Um, you can encourage people who feel called to ministry in Japan to help, to help them discern, uh, you know, uh, what, when, and what God is leading them to. And, uh, we also have a residency program, uh, that we put together for, for people who just like that, uh, feel called to church planting in Japan, mm. uh, kind of as an on-ramp, uh, for people who feel called that way to, uh, 
to come here. And it's kind of like, it's an on-ramp to the ministry here, but it also is a, is kind of like a, a launching into kind of to accelerate them into uh, ministry here, take them for two to three years and uh, 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 train them up to, uh, to be launched out to plant a church in Okinawa. So yeah. um, I would say those things that you can give towards uh, gospel to Okinawa and go to the pillar Okinawa website and um, go to the giving page and there's instructions on there. Yeah, I would second what John's saying. And, and look, I mean, we'll just, again, full honesty, we're church planners, so you know we're going to ask for money. So yeah, please. <laughs> yeah, but here, like, in all seriousness, seriousness, though, let's frame it this way. In in the States, the average on-ramp for a church planner or kind of the commitment to funding a church planner is going to be anywhere from two to five years, probably three right. years is average, right? And, and in most contexts, not all contexts, but in most contexts, if a church is experiencing normal, healthy growth, three to five years, a church planner is able to think about being self-sustaining through the church or finding the support in the church. Listen, there's just no other way to say it. That will not happen in Japan. It's not happening here. Like there's mm-hmm. no way there in no world is that happening here in, in Japan. And right. so uh, the commitment to see a healthy gospel centered church planted and to see a healthy pastoral couple, like a pastor who's able to love and provide for his family well is is going listen not three years you're talking 13 to 23 years it's a long-term commitment so we need churches who are willing to think outside of the normal american idea of committing to a planner for three to five years and committing to a guy for a lifetime and like i mean that in all seriousness but uh committing to a guy for a decade to two to say we will be with you for the long haul to make sure your church is viable uh, self-sustaining and healthy. And we're not going to bail on you until that's a reality. So yeah, yeah you know, church planners are going to ask for money, but different context here and different level of commitment. And we do, you know, we, we, we need people to rise, rise to that. Another thing that we need in the States, we need advocates. So lots of Japanese high schoolers go to the West Canada and the States and other places for their collegiate experience. Yeah. And, and uh, man, especially because of COVID, we cannot travel back to some, t- some key gatherings or key cities to represent GTO and make it known. So we need, we need advocates in key locations. I would think of like college towns, university towns, or places where key mission, uh, like mission-minded or missional gatherings happen, like the Cross Conference and other, right. other similar venues. We need advocates from local churches who would be willing to represent GTO and make that more and more known among the Japanese collegiates who are living because overwhelmingly most of those students are going to come back to Japan and we would love to partner with them while they're still in the States and kind of formulate plans for partnering with us in, in Okinawa. So if there are people out there who are interested in partnering with us to serve as advocates at different key locations throughout the States, that would Hmm. be one of the most helpful things a person could do or a church could do. That's great. That's great. Well, um, so this is a little off topic to from the GTO conversation, but Jonathan, I, I just wonder, you know, there are a lot of young guys planting churches. You've planted three now, um, churches and one of them in um, a foreign context. Can, can you just, what do you tell young guys when they ask for advice on church planning? What are your sort of go-to pieces of advice? Man, that's, that's a good question. Um, you need a mentor, you need a coach, like you, you need to be humble enough. Um, you need to be humble enough to surround yourself with people that you're going to learn from. Not, 
um, not argue with, not cage stage with, not compare with. You need to be a learner. Um, mm-hmm. I think in every, not just initially, but in every season. So uh, a mentor, coach, whatever word you want to use, but but you need older godly people, men and women speaking into your life, uh, not only as it relates to your own walk with Christ, but as it relates to planting and pastoring. Mm. You need to hang around multiplying churches or multiplying leaders. Like you just need to hang around. You, you, you become who you hang out with, right? Yeah. You know that from Proverbs. You just got to be um, hanging around with churches and leaders who are, 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 are leading in that way. And um, man, just be willing, be willing to be uncomfortable in church planting and church growth. The tendency is to gather in and mm. um, man, there's just a very real pull to constantly be, be ga- like using your arms to pull toward you. Not, right. it's not entirely selfish. Like a lot of that impulse is for the good of the family that you're shepherding right. and sustainability. But um I think the gospel leads us to a different impulse where we're, we're gently pushing away. It, the very things we want to hold on to is what God is calling us to open our hands up and, and let go of. So, you know, John Simberger here, for example, I would love for him to be a part of our team indefinitely into the future. Our church family is better for his presence, better for yeah. his family's presence. He serves us in some incredible ways, but uh, God has called him to uh, plant churches and to lead missionally here in, in Okinawa. And um, so rather than pulling him close and holding on to him, being willing to uh, send him away and to celebrate that sending. Uh, I think from a church perspective, if you really want to be real about this, like everybody talks this way. And even, you know, we say we pray this way. I think the commitment becomes real when we actually budget for it. So if there are not line items in your church plan or your church's budget for staff members who will be sent away or residencies, or uh, just, if if we're not budgeting for these kinds of things, we're just talking about it. If we're not budgeting for it, we're maybe we're reading and we're learning, but we're not serious about it. So when we're willing to give in a way that's going to cost us, it's, it shows up as a priority in our budget. Then uh, I think that's when it becomes real. Man, that's good. That's really good. Hey, can I, can I just, I know you're kind of headed towards the finish line here. I just want to give a shout out. John mentioned a little while ago, a young lady by the name of Satomi. Yeah. And I just want to say we met her through a church member in Oceanside, uh, Oceanside. She was studying there at the time. She was at a Bible college and uh, we met her uh, very briefly. I think we visited with her for about an hour in our home. We explained what we were doing and where we were going. And at the end of that hour, we invited her to move with us to Okinawa. She's not from Oki. She's from the mainland of Japan. And she'd been in the States for some years at that point. So she goes home to pray about it. And she agrees. And she, you know, so so my family and I moved to Okinawa. And a week later or so, Satomi was arriving on the ground and uh, moved in with us, you know, before we even had we didn't even have, we didn't have curtains hanging in there. Dude, we didn't even have any of our furniture built. We picked her up at the airport. No joke. We brought her back to our house and she helped us assemble our newly purchased dining room table, right? Like she, she was, she became a sister to us and a, an, an aunt to our children. And she's been with our church wow. team for, for going on five years now, just, yeah. just a beautiful part of our family. She recently married yeah. and the uh, man she married has orders. So, so what that means for us is Satomi is on her way uh, uh, out of our church family and out of our, uh, you know, out of Okinawa. But she, uh, I just, man, she's been such a faithful 
uh, faithful member. And, you know, I want to say, John, uh, I just want to commend John, too. He's, he's so serious about serving as a church planner in Japan. So much of the time that he spends is in language acquisition. And what would you what's your what's your daily goal? About three hours a day. Three. This dude spends three hours a day studying the Japanese language. And he just took so the language tests break down in like N but five to one N five to N one. And so John just passed N four, right. Yep. N four, which is a major accomplishment. Yeah. yeah. Major accomplishment. And yeah. he's, he's just killing it. So uh, that's incredible. I'm familiar with that. One of our, uh, one of our uh, members and leaders here um, just has been, he spent the whole last year learning Japanese and he was walking through the steps eight hours a day, Japanese tutoring, one-on-one Japanese tutoring. So uh, yeah. 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 And I, you know, to John's character. So most guys like that, or most people like that are missionaries, their language study comes up front. And so they can devote eight to nine to 10 hours a day. John and his wife are already living missionally among Okinawan people and serving in the context of our pillar Okinawa. And on top of that, investing those kinds of hours in studying. So if anybody, you know, churches in the States are looking for a committed church planner who's already demonstrated that he's serious and in it for the long haul, like this isn't somebody who's just saying, Hey, I'm going to do it but hasn't yet started that journey. Like this guy is three to four years in and demonstrating greater resolve than um, most anybody else I've ever seen. He's he's serious about getting this thing done. Incredible. You guys are, you guys are amazing. You make me uh, love the gospel more. Just, just hearing you talk and um, your passion for the work and your uh, dedication to seeing the gospel spread among Okinawans is really noteworthy. And man, uh, I hope other guys are as inspired as I am. And just want to say thanks for spending the time talking to me today. Thanks, Clint. Appreciate you having us on. Thanks. Absolutely. Well, hey there, podcast listener. Why don't you do me a favor? If you've got a really cool church planting story, maybe the church plant you're involved in, or maybe a church planting story that you know from somewhere else, why don't you just pull out your smartphone and record that story, yourself telling that story in 30 seconds or less, and shoot it off to us at info at newcityplanting.org. If we like that story and we think it'll be edifying for other listeners, we will put that on the podcast. So just send it over to us at info at newcityplanting.org. Thank you for listening to the Church Planning Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Today's episode of the Church Planting Podcast is sponsored by New City Network, the church planting ministry of McLean Bible. A special thanks to today's guest, Josh Taransky produced today's show. Nick Bashane was our editor. Thanks to Hudson Taransky who provided administrative and web support for the program. And last... But not least, thanks to you for listening all the way through to the very end of the Church Planting Podcast. If you'd like more information about our show, feel free to visit our website at www.churchplantingpodcast.org. There you can find all of our past episodes, as well as notes and links from today's show. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, so be sure to check us out on the social. And tune in next week for another episode of the Church Planting Podcast.